Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Jules Gill, I saw your lovely face in person. Now we're back on the old Zoom, but it's still just as lovely. How's he doing? It's very weird not to touch your face. Uh, obviously, <laughs> like yesterday, we were just rubbing all over each other, just getting all the juices flowing. All the but now in. we've taken all of that distilled juice. We've turned it into a fine sort of like uh, amazing alcohol. And we're about to sup it today as we answer some of the finest <laughs> questions from around the internet. Because it is yeah. time for the UBP. The, the UBP, UBP. The UBP. The Untitled Banter chalice as you must take a few sips where we ask people for whatever they'd like us to talk about various questions various talking points across the industry the first one is from brandon bressman who says how good would a movie version of streets of rage be by the john wick creator that's a hell of a shout i think if you get chad stahelski in just point him at any sort of martial arts based thing yeah if you could do fire punches and flying kicks and whatever i would massively take that it's a weird one isn't it because like when you play through streets of rage especially the new newest streets of rage 4 you realize how like ludicrously simple those games are when it comes mm. to plot it's literally just like there is a bad guy there's some corrupt police officers go there beat them up like it's yeah. fantastically simple but as it was shown with the likes of the raid and with judge dread obviously dreads um 2013 2016 was it 2013 i can't remember when it was that well, came that movie, out. Yeah, yeah yeah like it's a simple premise of there is a bad guy at the top of the floor get up there and hardcore henry and stuff like that have a very mm. simple like flow mm-hmm. i feel like it could work really well if it was delivered if the action was like front and center mm-hmm. of it of it and also, if you had the sort of late game twist where the two people that were teaming up or the team of three uh, that we see, if one of them turns on them when is offered a chance by Mr. X to join their <laughs> ranks and take over the city with them, that would make for a, a brilliant late game twist. Plus, I mean, like, like awesome it, fight scenes. It's like a weird thing, but I mean, you think about like, you know, group fight scenes or one-on-one fight scenes. Like, I mm-hmm. can't think of two, like you get like, you do get a hybrid in the likes of the John Wick movies, but that would be yeah. a good way for two main action stars to finally go off against each other and it becomes yeah. a versus movie in like the closing few minutes or something. Because it's like the Expendables was like mm. the basic premise was like loads and loads of action scenes all uh, like stapled together. And to be honest, like it worked. I wouldn't say that mm. they're my favorite films, but there's like a definite approach to that sort of style of just more equals more that could work for a Streets of Rage film. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd be very interested to see that. Did you ever see the Dynasty Warriors movie? Have you seen clips of that thing? Right. Okay. So um, mm. I you would have thought that I would have seen that straight out of the gate. But as oh. soon as it came out, I just got hit with a ton of like conflicting opinions opinions on it of like, oh, it didn't don't watch a waste of time. Or like people are saying it's so stupid, it's worth mm. watching. But then I was like, you know what? I probably would have a hundred percent better time just playing the Dynasty Warriors games. Mm. Like hundred like, percent. And I've seen that story told nearly 
well, since 2000, whenever the second Dynasty Warriors came out, I've right. seen the same story told again and again, the romance of the Three Kingdoms. So I was a bit mm. like, I probably don't need to see this movie. I was just thinking, just but like, everything. in terms of like, his Dynasty Warriors, and I think the Ace Attorney movie both have, like, obviously they're live action, but they're accentuated by CG, like, yeah. especially in yeah. Dynasty Warriors, like really impactful punches and stuff. And I was like, that's how you would, that's how I would do a Streets of Rage movie. If you did John Wick choreography, but every like massive blow is like emphasized by a fire punch and the person goes yeah. flying across the room like that would be sick i would just talk about 10 minutes for streets of rage but it sounds good but the um uh, the best sort of video game fight sequences at the moment are from the scott pilgrim versus the world uh, that's a perfect like, show yeah. it's like they incorporate it into real life things and none of them are like sort of graceful there's not any sort of like over the top choreography apart from uh, like maybe one or two fights mm. and all of the hits feel impactful because mm-hmm. it's like the slightly digitized skin when they get hit or like the Im- the shockwave of the impact when they yeah. fall down like it's there's ways to make those things feel really connected to the video game source material and be gamey like, I like, really, like, like at the same time. If you did that and you had like really like a literal visual punch and it was like more yeah. identifiable in that regard, like a signature thing, and you had the Streets of Rage music, like that would be, I know there's no, I know this isn't happening, but like a Streets yeah, of Rage movie in this regard would be brilliant. Um, overall, next question down, are we rather we got a few questions in regards to the PlayStation Plus premium thing that broke a couple yep. of days ago, okay. um, which is the idea that Sony are mandating um, two hour free trials, oh sorry, two hour trials if you pay for the PlayStation Plus, plus a premium tier, which is the top tier version mm-hmm. of the new PlayStation Plus service. Um, which means that any game priced $34 or above has to offer its first two hours as part of the premium uh, package. And so um, a lot of people asking about this stuff, just sort of seeing how much will it impact potential indie devs? How much, you know, what are, you, what are your general thoughts on it? Um, so let's just break that stuff down. And what, were you, okay. what were your thoughts on that? And then I'll do my So turn. I personally don't like this feature. I don't okay. like that you're holding demos as an exclusive feature for your mm. top tier paying things. This should be included as a mandatory thing across all sort of subscription levels, because True. why is it fair for somebody who is not paying uh, a couple of quid more each month to not receive the same quality of life and care mm-hmm. that you would have for a video game that's just coming out. Mm. If, for example, I was on the top tier, you were on the middle tier, and I was like playing for two hours. Unfortunately, Scott, you've just found out that it's a bad game. Yes. So you've sunk in your £70 into that game now, <laughs> whatever it's going to be, uh, all uh-huh. the like, per month thing. But I, on the other hand, I'm not going to experience that and I can get the refunds straight away. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I guess you wouldn't, you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't buy in because like, you'd be able to check it out for those two hours. The thing that's exactly like the thing that's interesting is that all that information is going to get out there anyway, like something like a Battlefield 2042 <clears throat> or any game that is, you know, nigh on broken, buggy, uh, disappointing, not living up to its expectations, whatever. That stuff is immediately going to get out there because yeah. anything with a premium price tag is going to be accessible for two hours. So I quite, I, I like that. I, I like that side of it. I like the fact that, you know, you have the Ubisoft, the Warner Brothers, the EAs, the whoever's um they can't quote unquote get away with this anymore because you can't just go here's a big marketing campaign here's your launch date and then they just sit back for a bit and patch it later we'll all yeah. know immediately on mass or however how big the premium tier gets and um, how broken these games are i do agree though that the um there should be at least some version of the trial available to everybody yeah um i think that's like that's interesting there's also that thing i saw people talking about the distinction between or i, I want more people to talk about the distinction between demos and trials because mm-hmm. i i am um, i saw people saying that you know it's a it's it's bad on the devs because you're forcing them to slice off a part of the game and make it a demo. But that's uh, not true. No, then, that's not the truth. It's, it's no. just you get the game for two hours and it's your opinion at the end of it if you want to. The, uh, it's kind of what the Resident Evil 2 remake did where you sort of just yeah. get access. Or what Square Enix are doing now. It's like the one good thing Square Enix are doing <laughs> is that you can play uh, Triangle Strategy and um, Stranger of Paradise and whatever. You can play those games for chunks of time. I mean, I got, I got about six hours out of Triangle Strategy yeah. before I paid for the full game. 
um, and then migrate your save over. But that's that's a trial. That's a trial of the finished game, which is different to slicing off a vertical slice of the game during development to be a demo. So I think, but that's the thing. Sony have said that demos in the real sense are an option. If you don't want to do the trial, you can create a demo. So yeah. I quite like them holding the feet to the fire of the bigger teams. Um, and I think $34 is an interesting split. Obviously, that's half of their premium 70 that they go for. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I mean, obviously, I saw people obviously talking about indie devs, but hardly any indie dev is charging more than $34 for their game. Like they can yeah. easily make a two hour story or a half an hour story or whatever it is um, and charge an amount of money that is applicable. So yeah. I, mo- I mostly quite like it, although I do agree with you that it shouldn't, you shouldn't just yeah, mandate I- the trials entirely. I feel like I maybe came across as a bit too harsh in the sense of like, I don't like it. Uh, I, I don't like the principle of, of sectioning off it to top tier paying mm. subscription models, but I do agree with it as a principle overall, because mm. I think that people should be able to have the most transparent relationship that they can between themselves and the video game that they are playing. Mm-hmm. So a two hour window on any video game is always a good thing because that is that is a reasonable amount of time to make up your mind as to whether oh, yeah. or not you like what this game has to offer. It will allow mm-hmm. you to try out single player modes, multiplayer modes, see what it is. And it does, like you say, hold developers to task to make sure that their games launch in a fit state. Mm-hmm. And the amount of times that we have seen games come out now with like huge day one patches, incredible like long uh, development times of like getting the rollout for bug fixes and stuff I like think that. Battlefield launch, just got a scoreboard now. Yeah. It like, now for like half a year. <laughs> it, they launch in just like absolutely abysmal states. And I hope that this will have the wider reaching impact of making sure that developers are actually given goals to hit mm. that are much more reasonable rather than just, right, we're going to have to release 65% of the game and mm-hmm. we'll just plug the rest of it in. Like that we'll isn't the, worth 70 quid in the, in the, at all. No. And the thing that's coming out at the minute, which is also breaking, I saw on Twitter this morning, uh, Yuji Naka, a Sonic creator who made Balan Wonderworld, he actually left that project a year and a half ago, but wasn't able to tell anyone and now he's suing Square Enix because obviously that game was trash and he's like my name is getting dragged through the muck because of this so I kind of I hope that in this regard like it gives developers more power to have those meetings and those conversations Mm -hmm. with their publishers and the marketing teams whatever and just go look we need those first two hours to be very strong and obviously there's the side of it where the publishers go well polish the first two hours and the rest of it will patch later yeah there's there's ways to get around this already like for example if you're releasing a huge like online FPS game then Mm -hmm. you won't have the multiplayer live on the day of launch because it'll be like um, you'll have uh, that two hour window just to be the single player or maybe some like other modes that Mm -hmm. are on there because at that point then you go like well there's not anything technically wrong with this and now we can release the buggy mess of the multiplayer mode down the line sort of thing Mm -hmm. or you'll just get like a completely anemic version where (laughs) there's not even two version two hours worth of content to begin with Mm -hmm. well that's the thing I think overall and also the thing that's really interesting is that it's, it's a hell of a way for Sony to immediately compete with game pass mm-hmm. because if they make it so that everything over 34 dollars like as a just as a baseline rule has to have a two-hour trial then you've arguably got a game pass equivalent because everything that would be on game pass would be for sale on the playstation marketplace and unless it's uh, retailing for less than 34 dollars then you can dive in as well and mm-hmm. so like it's it's almost a game pass equivalent in that regard in terms of an archive of content um i've not actually ever looked i don't think xbox released that much data on completion rates of the game pass games mm. but i would imagine that two hours is an overall medium amount of time or median amount of time for the average person to dip into a selection of Game Pass games before they settle yeah. on something. Because I guess in terms of like a value proposition, you know, if you're already paying for Game Pass, if you're already thinking that's a reason to invest in Xbox, then this is their way of saying stick with PlayStation or come along yeah. to PlayStation. Um, yeah. And whatever's over there will have our version of it. Although it is in the most expensive tier, like it is going to be, <clears throat> well, in terms of uh, dollars, it's $17.99 for premium, um, it's £13.49. 
Um, and so it is more expensive at the minute yeah. anyway. But in theory, you get all the PS1, PS2, whatever stuff, which mm-hmm. I saw Mr. Driller is going to be on there. So if you need a reason <laughs> to drop all this money. Fantastic. Um, so we'll see how that stuff pans out. But um, yeah, I, I'm uh, curious what happens towards the end of May because that's when the PlayStation Plus stuff launches in Asia. So yep. we should, like that has to be a version of the service. And I guess we'll mm-hmm. finally get an idea of it. Um, I just thought it was weird that the amount of um, devs being asked to whether they support this trial thing is happening like a month before it launches in one of the major territories. Like yeah, It feels a- like Sony are very last minute with this stuff. I wonder if they actually did know in advance, but they're just making it public now. Like, but it is, imagine being a developer at this point, just being like, oh, right, okay, fair <laughs> enough, we're doing this. But then again, the, the argument should be, well, you shouldn't have to be surprised that somebody's asking no. for your game to be working upon release. You shouldn't yeah. be like, oh, Christ, guys, we better get working really hard now. Like, I think it's, it is interesting because you think about like, you know, like obviously when patches could be a thing in gaming, it changed the landscape entirely. And you obviously yeah. got people taking advantage of that, releasing broken games and patching them later. And it's like, what would it take to get back to the launch day version of the game is the pristine thing yeah. like or as be- as close as possible even Elden Rings had sizable or notable patches that changed the map system and stuff like that but how do you get as close to that as possible and I I like this as a step in that direction even if it's yeah. maybe impossible given the overall size of most games especially over the 34 uh, price tag mark because I'm not entirely sure if they still do they still charge the developers for each patch that they roll out I'm not sure if that is a thing Sony because, used to I don't think that's a yeah, thing anymore I remember it was a thing mm. and that was when you had people doing select patches they would wait mm-hmm. for huge things and then just do like massive patches to make mm-hmm. sure that they didn't have to pay to do it again mm-hmm. and to be honest that was a pretty good time for gaming because it was like yes we'd have our issues fixed within the game but we wouldn't have to wait so long for them because they were like right this hot fix needs to come out right now mm-hmm. we're paying for it so it needs to work sort of yeah thing. that's that's an interesting side of it as well like, in terms of like yeah what like what qualifies this first couple of hours pristine version of the game i think yeah all of it so there's a million variables and nuances to it that'll happen over time and i fully expect someone like an ea or whoever to only put to only make the first two hours yeah. good um there's you know. um, something as well that i just thought what mm. if there's a sneaky way right of them doing day one patches but you have to log into the game first so it tracks that as counting down your hours <laughs> so you put your two hour window but you're spending an hour and a half of them downloading a day oh, one patch God. maybe and that's that's another that's a whole thing is we have no yeah. idea how the ui works for this stuff um because yeah. obviously you have some sort of ui that lets you access all these games across all these generations um, and then also, yeah, is tracking you on a, on a time basis for the brand new games Mad. to make sure that you're not taking advantage of that stuff. Maybe they'll pull it off, but I guess we'll see how it goes. Next question yep. from McAllister NYC, who says, just rewatched Indie Game the Movie, thanks Jules, and played Sable, thanks Scott. The following <laughs> Indie Games have won at the Game Awards since 2014, but do you have a favorite? Shovel yep. Knight, Rocket League, Inside, Cuphead, Celeste, Disco Elysium, Hades, or Kena Bridge of Spirits? <sighs> To be honest, like there's the only one that sticks out for me in the my heart of hearts is Disco Elysium, man. Like really? I know we, we spoke about it last uh, week, and I honestly think that it might well be my favorite game. Like at the moment, mm. I won't. Uh, it's it's almost verging on the of all time <laughs> status at the moment of how much I adore it. But Bioshock mm. has still got that uh, firmly locked like overall, down. For yeah. Me. yeah, for me, um, Shovel Knight's the one that I've played the most of because I've played every single expansion and everything. I love that little character, and I was going to get a tattoo at one point, but I got I pulled myself back. But I think, um, like you said, Heart of Hearts, it might be Celeste. 
um, because um, so that's just literally the themes of that game. It's dissection of um, depression, anxiety, like like understanding what someone's going through when they are living with those conditions fundamentally helped me with my own dad. So yeah. I was just like, that is it massively helped me. And it, it totally went a more subjective thing. But if we're talking about favorites, um, yeah, it's got to be Celeste, even though all these games are brilliant. And yeah, they're all fantastic. Kane of Bridges Spirits has to be the most overlooked exclusive on PlayStation to the point where I didn't even put it in my recent list that me and Josh did. <laughs> Um, but I love Kane of Bridges Spirits. Um, and yeah, Hades, obviously Shovel Knight. And um, it's it's a good time. Cuphead feels like it's dropped off. Like it feels like that was such a big thing. And now yeah. the show's out on Netflix, but people don't really seem to care. I guess it's because of the fact that they did the thing of it le- left the pot to cool too long because mm. like it, there was Cuphead fever all around. Everyone was talking about it. It's like the 2D Dark Souls mm. of, of gaming at the time. And obviously the very protracted release of the DLC, The Last Course, is like it feels like we are way too late for a game. Uh, it should have come out like uh, within the first year or two. Mm. But now we're kind of approaching this thing where it's like, oh, I, I don't even remember how to play it. I'm going to have to go and load back the game up again, yeah. go through it again, just to familiarize myself with it all again. I like, can't wait for it to come out. Don't get, mm. don't get me wrong. Like When it comes out, I will be playing through and I'll hopefully we'll get hold of Rich, uh, who's obviously doing stuff with Traxian now, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we played through the entire game on stream back when we used to do streaming on gaming. Mm-hmm. So I will hopefully do a stream of that and like Living Let's Dice and stuff. The, the the Herculean task that was you guys doing that, I think you did all of it in like one sitting or something on one of the hardest did difficulties. Did it in two, two sittings, right. yeah. That though, like, I mean, I, yeah, I never finished Cuphead. I got to the final act, I think, or the final aisle and there's like yeah. two bosses left. I'm fighting some mouse in a tin can and I was like, I just can't do yeah. this anymore. So I had to give up. <laughs> but someday I would like to do it because um, I've done most of the hardest bosses. But yeah, I might go back to that eventually. Yeah. Um, next question from Gaming with Greg. What is your most treasured slash valuable retro game in your collection and why? Oh man, I mean, it's clearly the copy of uh, the Italian job on the PlayStation. I would totally have taken that. I, I was looking through uh, my uh, collection of PS1 games the other day because they're mm. all up in the attic at the moment because I, I've got nowhere down in this room that I'm recording into. Right, right. And I haven't actually fired up the uh, my PS1, 2 and 3 machine, which is the old bread box PX3 mm. machine that had backwards compatibility. Mm-hmm. I do have some surprisingly rare games in there. Mm-hmm. I've got um, I've got Sheepdog and Wolf because I know yes. we've been talking about that a long that time. I've got, I can't wait um, to get on my Steam Deck. I've got the original first pressing um, of the uh, Metal Gear Solid, um, which is very nice. Nice. Um, I've also got the VR missions one as well. I've got all of the Resident Evil games, the original black label ones. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of like what other crazy ones that I've got in there that are worth a surprising amount. Oh, I've got... um, Marvel versus Capcom on the PlayStation One. Oh, like where is, it all began. Oh, and actually, it might be X Men versus Capcom. Got, I've what got was that the um, what was the three D X Men game where it was like, oh my god, Mutant Academy on oh, PS One? Yeah, I remember that. That game oh, was great. I remember renting ago. that and just being blown away by it. Um, for mine, three words: Jedi Power Battles. I just have a mm. random copy of that. I think is I don't have a PS One anymore, so I have nowhere to play it. But I do, I do have games on my shelf that I just like picked out. I have ECW Hardcore Revolution um, and Jedi Power Battles. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have an old copy of the original Sonic on Mega Drive that just sits in its nice. um, case and everything. Um, yeah, also have Metal Gear Solid, like you said, but mine's that Platinum re-release that they did. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I got that because um, my original one, I lent it to a... You know, you would lend games to a friend and they'd come back less than prestige. Yeah, yeah, I know, and right. And you're like, 
I know you did something because it wasn't like, like this one I gave you. So it. why are there so many scratches on it? Yeah. Oh, I don't know, mate. Don't know. Oh, so yeah, something happened with it. And I was like, yeah, something did happen with it. You happened you did. to do it. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's not the same anymore. I remember getting Metal Gear Solid 2 back from my friend Steve and it had three big scratches down the front of it. And I was like, well, what the, what was that? And he was like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, what was this the dog? Was it like, just what, what was that? Steve. Ridiculous. Mental. But, I, was, um, um, I remember yeah. as well that I'm um, just thinking about it. I've got uh, Final Fantasy VI on the PlayStation 1 oh. and I've got Final Fantasy Origins when they re-released uh, that again. Oh, which, shit. Okay. Which I think I that they were... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that they are different games. Oh, yeah. Origins yeah. is the, the re-release of like the first three. Yeah, I, can't, I can't remember. What it's it, been yeah, a long I've, time. I think it's I've one got, of them. But I've got them there up in the attic. Mm. Uh, but I think that my, um, my most treasured of all of them... Mm. Is probably going to be finally getting. Uh, I got a copy of Silent Hill Two from my um, from my friend Gareth, mm-hmm. and it was the like limited edition one where it had all of like the crazy uh, the sleeve, the cardboard sleeve, nice. and it had the like oh, I know what you mean. weird like sort of like watery effect on top of the disc. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I remember coming home one day when I was living in Bristol, and the dog that we had in the house at the time uh, came upstairs, and I just saw like bits <laughs> of the disc on there, and I was like. No. Are you kidding? <laughs> Out of all of the things, you've chosen to chew that one up. Uh, and the dogs just are like, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm a dude. dog. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I done dogged. Yeah. I think um, I didn't even like think of this in this way because my N- my N64 is new because I got it for my 30th, but it would be yeah. those games. Like I, I, I for a time, I was priding myself on finding pristine versions of N64 games yeah. until I realized that pristine boxed copies are like 60, 70 pounds. ridiculous amounts. Plus, yeah. So expensive. But I did. I forked out for a fancy version of Mario 64. Even then it's not yeah. pristine, but it's nice. And I've got a nice gold knife, a perfect dark. And so like, Ooh. there are those, you know, there are like the big hits, but I also have like Mission Impossible that my wife got me, which is kind of- <laughs> It's not a good game, it is not a good I game. I have fun with it, but it's it's like an original hit, man. It's like open, open-ended levels, figuring out what you're supposed to do. But, but yeah, also it can, full of jank. controls like hell. Yeah, you're like, like um, whatever that dude's called, Ethan is like a stick Ethan. man. Yeah, but um, so I guess my entire N64 collection, even though it is uh, very old school. Um, next question from Vin and Punk Base, who says, thanks for all the great content. Other than graphics, frame rate, et cetera, what innovations do you think might come from the next console generation, if any? Also, favorite beers. Oh, favorite beers. Favorite beers. Uh, like we were anything- having Hop House yesterday, I think. Oh, no, we had... We had um- uh, well, no, we had, Hells. What was it we had that we hadn't had in like 10 years? The a random, thing. A random Copperberg just yeah. like popped up. I was just like, what is this sign they're doing up. here? Like, okay, well, like Pokemon. Um, so uh, the best beers of all time. Uh, yes. More Brewery um, mm-hmm. that are based down in Cardiff. Very, mm-hmm. very good. Um, are we Gareth taking beers there. to mean a collection of any alcohols or specifically beers you know what we should be doing Scott? we should be saying our own beer because we actually worked with and did a collaboration with top rope brewery <laughs> to produce the what culture uh clickbait from um, ale. ale yeah, yeah. That was, we didn't, I haven't, I haven't tasted that yet. I've got a can of that in my fridge. I've, uh, I've got one, I've got a taster set. But it I got had signed by Bray Wyatt. Somebody took it nice. to, a, to a thing and found it. So the Fiend has signed a can <laughs> of, uh, of, our, of our beer. Yeah, we're getting into, the, getting into the old beer, lager, ale market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Okay. Um, for mine, I can't, I can't, like, I'm going to admit something on this podcast. I don't think I know the difference between beer and lager. I don't know if that's, is that a thing? It's, it's it, one there is there is a difference, okay. but I wouldn't be able to tell you the difference because it's like I don't drink cappuccino. I, like, I don't drink yeah. either beer or lager if I can help it. I'm mm. all about sort of like get me the pale ales, man. That's where right, I'm at. Right. Any session IPAs, anything a bit crafty, a bit history, history, <laughs> drop it my way, man. That's what I want. I think my uh, color palette or taste palette is not as refined when it comes to ale stuff because all ales just taste the same to me. Like although I do like that. Um, what's that milky orangey one that you've had? The blue, oh, what, um, blue? a blue moon. Yeah, blue I moon, like blue yeah. Moon. slice of orange in the top. Yeah, chicky slice of orange. I think that's quite nice. Um, but I would just go just any lager to be honest. I just go down the Australia route. I absolutely love Australia. And then there was something that we had last night that was nice. Basically, I don't know. I'd clearly be more specific. But there was, like I said, we had lager. the Camden Hells, which is mm. always a nice solid beer. But I think that if I'm going into a a pub and I'm looking for what I mm-hmm. want to drink first, bizarrely enough, if for me it's a Guinness. I always start Ooh. with the Guinness just because I absolutely love the taste. It's uh-huh. got it's packed full of iron and vitamins (laughs) it's like a sandwich in a drink it's like uh, everyone always thinks that it is like a meat pie liquidized Mm. like it's really really unhealthy (laughs) but it's actually like a bit of a um uh misinformation smear campaign because you actually you actually take a look at it it's got less than the uh the next sort of like other beer lager ale whatever Mm. and it's actually the drink of choice for power lifters because of the fact it's got the low sort of like calorie content in and also is still quite strong so i I don't know who's started this thing that it is literally like eating your sunday uh lunch (laughs) through a straw but it's not as unhealthy as you think it is just bread in a blender i think like the thing is like when i was younger my first legal pint was um guinness extra cold and yeah. so I'd never had it. I'd never had Guinness before. And uh, we went to this like pool hall and I got a lovely like frosty mm, pint of Guinness. Mm. And it was horrible, Jules. It was absolutely oh, horrible. I couldn't, no. I tasted it. I was like, this is like, it is like drinking bread. And I just avoided it for years. And then we eventually went to Ireland and I went to the Guinness factory and, and got to have the proper incredible. one. Incredible. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like night and day. And um, if you want to get proper Guinness, go to Ireland. 
I tell you what, Scott, you've got a question from me now, which is what's cool. the worst pint you've ever had? Can you remember like that, like a terrible drink? Because I've got two yes. and both of them. Actually, no, one didn't happen. One happened in Exeter like decades well, ago. And the other one was uh, when we were out in uh, Newcastle <laughs> and it was Heppel's birthday. Okay. And we went there and we went to, I can't remember what the place was called, but it wasn't uh, a reflection on their beer. It was just a bad time. And they had like a special on, which was called, the like raining sky or starry night or something like okay. that. It's like a special one-off um, batch ending. they did, and it was a it was a sour, but mm. it was like the worst beer I've ever had. <laughs> like it was it was like sour scrumpy, but it was labelled as a beer, so it was okay. It was super acidic, super super like um, citrusy, right. but was flat as well. And I was just like, this is disgusting. And when then you asked that question, they served oh, it with a with a pickle shot at the end, like a shot oh, of pickle juice. And I was like, this plus this is the worst thing. Burning skies. That was called burning okay. skies. I tell you what, my ass was burning <laughs> after. I was just like, oh, I hated it. I hated that. Like Get a out of me, I think. I mean, when you said pints of stuff, my mind went to horrible banter student times of what did I make a pint of? So <laughs> oh, I've had a pint of whiskey and wine that finished me off. That was. Oh, that's disgusting. It is a bit. And then we, what me and you did that thing. It was me, you, and Joshua. We did that the challenge thing where I'd have a pint of um whatever you put oh, in. Egg it was like brine, egg, egg brine, and, and, and brine, and, and, and uh, sorry, and um sours, sours, and an egg or something. It was yeah, there was that the one. Egg on top. <laughs> so done them. I think that's still on YouTube. But um yeah, the that would be my worst pint when you say that. My mind immediately goes to the whiskey and wine thing because I never yeah. recovered from that on that's that night. As awful. you would. Um, that was just to finish the stuff off that was in the house before we left. Did but, that because yeah. there's that song, isn't it, where it's like um, drinking whiskey and wine. Da, 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 oh yeah, da, da. I, can't remember, I can't, literally can't remember what it is. I know, which, just, I know what you mean, but were you just that, there, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna drink whiskey and wine. Together. It was just, it was full on. There's a half a bottle of wine left, and there's a oh. bottle of Jack Daniels, and oh. let's just put them into a pint. I'm getting a hangover just thinking about it, man. It like, was horrible. This... I don't remember the rest of the night. Apparently, I was horrible. There are photos of me just being carried around town. I was that guy, bless you, mate. A T shape, but then at one point. I they, they ordered the taxi for me and then I was waiting and the taxi pulled up and I immediately felt fine. I remember just like sort of standing back up. Just like, sobering up. Just like, sort of like, like the demons had been exercised. I was like, I'm all right, guys. No, I'm fine. And then we just we just carried on with the night. And so amazing. Yeah, that's the one but there's a bit in the middle that I don't remember anything for. Anyway, um, yes, all those beers, whatever the, yeah. whatever that conversation was. Um, next question is from Daniel Dies at the End, who says, getting fed up of Sony messing around and I'm considering buying an Xbox Series S with Game Pass, having had a PS1, a PS2, PS3, Vita and PS4 already. Yeah. Is Game Pass worth the hype or does it just look good from the outside? I think it's pretty good. Okay, so Game Pass is definitely worth the hype in the mm. sense that uh, I'm playing on PC and I can have access to so many great titles that were Xbox exclusive on the consoles. Like mm. I was telling Scott, I played through all of the exclusives like um, Sunset Overdrive and stuff like that. So mm. I was loving life for that. However, there have been a fair few issues with connectivity, like trying to get people all mm. onto the same thing. Like we had a lot of issues with people who had bought their version of Halo Infinite, for example, versus those that were using it on Game Pass. Yes. Like trying to get parties set up was really difficult. Games like for blood just did not work and they no, just were ignoring true. it like the one thing about game pass that is the worst is that there just doesn't seem to be any sort of technical support that's readily available you've got mm. the user rating system and everyone is highlighting the same problem all the way down mm -hmm. and no fix is coming out for it for, for that's a really weeks. really 
really really good point because you do i don't even think of it that way i i don't like which which is to the to the problem like you know that you do have different user cases and different mm-hmm. almost tiers of this thing um, and when those different users interact with each other you do have different bugs like and different accessibility problems just to yep. get a game launched between people and um, my thing with game pass is it's kind of just become like part of the furniture in a good way it's something i like looking at it's mm-hmm. it's good you have a very steady stream of games coming in i think it's the best value for money in gaming hands down yeah and um, that's why i would recommend it um i don't feel like i mean the, the hype is there in terms of you'll fire it up and be like oh my god i have access to all this stuff yeah that's that can be a problem though can't it because it's like as we were saying before if you've got a huge library of just titles that you think to yourself oh i'm just going to play all of them all at once Mm. and you download all of them you are basically committing yourself to an issue because you are not going to be able to get through all of these games you're not going to be able to play like the top 15 brand new games as they come out like i've just logged on now right and Mm. bug snacks has just been added to it now (laughs) i wanted this i want to download that right through it but at the moment i've already got on my list i'm playing through death's door i've got dodgeball academia to finally mm. punish off i've got one step from eden i've got the streets of rage 4 i've got all of the warhammer um total warhammer 3 that's come out mm-hmm. i've got i've got dishonored dead cells like, i'm not going to get through all of these games <laughs> i've actively had to start going through and asking myself the difficult question am i going to finish this game within the next six months if mm. yes if i truly believe and it stays on the list if not it's in the bin i remove it i just got i can't do it and i'm not going to look at it until I can go through. So my aim is six months, six titles. You know what I mean? Okay, okay. Like, yeah, so that, that I, works. And then get rid of them, uh, I, like rotate them out, but never have any more than six titles installed on my uh, on my Ooh, PC. It's really that, difficult. It's so difficult to do. That's really. I mean, if you can if you can regiment that, that's a really good way to actually get through the to playlist. Like every yeah. you know self identifying gamer has a to playlist that just keeps getting added to. <coughs> Excuse yeah. me. And, and my advice, if you do want to try and commit to this lifestyle of trying to get through the games and uh, actually keeping to it, mm. don't have any other hobbies, don't have any pets, don't be, be single, <laughs> like don't literally don't have anything else going on in your life because Game Pass is one of those things where it slaps you about the face with its mm-hmm. meaty goodness and then it just says, have a chow on that and you go, I'm full. I, I literally, <laughs> my life is full at the moment. I can only have a wafer thin piece of charcuterie, please. And it goes, nah, 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 have some of that. Here's have another some. full three course meal that we've already prepared for you and yeah. it's coming next week it's coming next month it's, it's it, it'll be here forever it bashes you with the booth you know what i mean it does and that's well that's the thing that's the best thing about it but also you're very very right that you just have an overwhelming amount of games i mean last month um or maybe the month before it was tunic and shredders and shredders is like a really cool skate style snowboarding game mm-hmm. um, and tunic's a gorgeous game like, well, that'll be one of the games of the year and it's just one of those things where you end up playing everything in tandem and then nothing gets finished and you're, you're i view it like bart simpson when he um writes he gets that um like like it's like a seven strand chalk thing and he yeah. starts writing all the sentences all at once and it's yeah. like, well, they'll all get finished eventually but like until they're there nothing's actually finished yeah and so um yeah game pass it's phenomenal value for money and it's it is the best deal in gaming um yeah i think if it's you know any- super easy to be overwhelmed by isn't it yeah it me, I think- you've, uh, you've seen um uh back to the future part two haven't you yes you know, like the bit where he like switches on the TV and he's got like 14 channels all at once. Like you can't pay attention to all of them. That's what Game Pass is like, mate. Kind of, yeah. And I think if um, Daniel's saying that he's already had all the Sony side of things, then, and you, if you know in your gut that you're not bothered about revisiting Tekken 3 or whatever, then like mm-hmm. dive mm-hmm. into the Xbox side of stuff. Um, next question from Christopher Snow, who says, as someone who's been going back through Arkham Asylum, Bioshock and Sleeping Dogs, I understand Scott's position with wanting to play older games. Do you think that comes from not having online features and not having to wait 10 minutes to play the good old days? I mean, they're just very strong single player experiences, Mm. though, that you've just described there, like the Batman Arkham games, like even including Origins, I'd say are very, very strong titles Mm. like uh, you play through them and you never feel like you're um, you're being beset with all of the 
the trappings of a modern era of gaming. Yeah, you're like not the microtransactions, or mm. there's like there's no thing telling you you must play online to do mm. this bit. It's just you get to enjoy it at your own pace. You get mm. to chase achievements you want to chase, and not because of the fact that the game is telling you that if you do, you'll unlock the one actual hidden feature of the game or whatever. Like, plus, all three of these are like cinematically fueled games. You really care mm. about what's going on, whether mm-hmm. you care about the character side of it or you really care about the thematics and the narrative. Like, um, yeah, and like like, like Jules said, they're really good meaty single player games, which if are barely a thing anymore. Like it's you, you hardly ever get them. Like yeah. nearly everything is multiplayer instead. I was thinking about this. What if current of games that we liked from back in the day, maybe 10, 15 years ago, were released today? And I'm not talking mm. like a remastered version. I'm talking about it's the exact same thing and never been done before until that right. point. And I realized how much I would hate Bioshock if it came out uh, in this day and age. Really? Because, because I reckon that if a developer got their hand or a publisher, I should say, got their hands on it, it would have a multiplayer focus because it would have to have something to keep uh, like Bioshock it would have like a daily grind thing where it would be maybe Rapture would be open world and you'd have to log in every single day and do certain <laughs> grindy bits in order to get like that the perks would be restricted to pre-order bonuses or you'd be able to download new ones to patch in oh, uh, like to plug into that one there would be um, no single player um, DLC because why would they want to waste time with that mm. and I'm pretty sure there would be like really ridiculous tie-ins just to sell it so it'd be like uh, <laughs> get you a free code with some Sonic Burger, if you uh, for Bioshock, which will give you unlimited bees. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing is, like, you would hope that someone like Ken Levine. The thing is, there's like auteurs ruled the roost back then. Like Ken, yeah. like Bioshock exists in the way that it does because Ken Levine is like monstrously efficient. Yeah. He wouldn't yield at all. But remember, he had to yield immediately because remember, he wanted this to be a System Shock uh, 3 effectively. Mm. Like that was his idea with it. And Microsoft or whoever like had his ear at the time mm. said, you need to have shooting elements in this game. Otherwise, right. it's not going to sell. And let's be honest with ourselves here. The shooting in the original Bioshock mm. is, I'd say, one of the weaker components totally, of it. It yeah. feels like it is a functionary thing. It is completely competent, but it is nothing more I than always that. said I would prefer Bioshock if it was a walking simulator. If, if, yeah, it, was, if it was Gone it, Home like, style, I would have loved it. Horror. The horror yeah. intention would be so like like taut because you'd be walking around thinking, oh man, any given moment something could come out and attack me, and mm-hmm. I will have no way to defend myself. As it stands, by the end of the game, when the splices are like crawling over the walls and stuff, you're like, yeah, admittedly it is freaky, but when I can zap you with the power of a god and then shoot you as before you <laughs> land and you're dead, like it does take a little bit of a sort of like, oh, I'm scared. Mm. If they ever because we got Bioshock Four coming up, like if they sort of like add more weight to the movement and let you chain stuff together a bit better, then I guess like that side of it would finally feel up there but it's yeah. like Bioshock is never recommended for a shooting like it's just not the thing people talk about which is um, why I, I really do not understand why people say that Infinite is their favourite one like I mm. like just because you don't understand the story doesn't mean it mean it's deep like, no offence to the people out there like it's, it's actually like an incredibly Con- it's not it's convoluted but that doesn't mean it's a great story well i mean it had it went through development hell like they did their yeah. best the best they could they, they did the best they could but it, it's not pristinely rolled out or anything is it crow cat or crow cat Probe, yes. Yeah, that, like who did the um? This is the Bioshock you should have got. And yes. We saw all of the like the, uh, the alpha footage and all of the the trailers that were uh, pre-release trailers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I wish that we got that game because it wasn't all about the shooting and the action. It was about world building and the setting of Columbia being this really like broken down and on the precipice of its own destruction. Mm-hmm. Whereas what we got in that game was well. 
We got health bars above enemies. We got bullet sponge uh, tanky things. The handyman doesn't make any sense. Like in, yeah, in we, fighting, it's horrible. The sky hooks didn't really do anything. It literally just goes from A to B. Like there's so much about that game that mm. I sat through and I played through, and I was like, yeah, okay, I'm having a good time, but I'm also not having a good Bioshock time. And yes, yeah. I hope they t- they t- um, tweak those things in the new one because it's weird because they don't have Levine, so they don't have like the the narrative pull, the sort of weighty yeah. side of it. It's like what that team's kind of hampered from the beginning anyway. But this is where we go back to sort of like looking at what. GTA 6 is going to be putting mm, up with. Yes. They look at what is working now and think that that is what GTA 6 or the future of GTA has got to be. They look at uh, Bioshock and what do they see? They see the plasmids or the uh, the sort of like uh, mm. vigors. We've got the uh, the skyhook style thing for traversal. So they'll probably put that sort of element of traversal mechanics in no. there. And of course, a ton of shooting. So mm. It's basically the things that Bioshock never set out to be are going to be championed <laughs> as its biggest features, which is going to be incredibly weird. Now, I'm not I'm not trying to poo-poo on a series and a franchise mm. that I utterly adore. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, nothing gets me more worried than when a uh, a pseudo-horror game says the action is front and center. Mm-hmm. Happened with Resident Evil 6, happened with Dead Space 3. It's definitely going to happen to Bioshock oh, anything... if they don't play it safe. Yeah, anything where um, a corporate think tank takes over from an auto is... Nelly always goes sideways as you know, see infinite examples, Avengers yeah. to Anthem and everything else. Um, a final question from Luis Ligori, who says, gentlemen, hope you're good. Just one Sonic question. Oh, how is Shadow the Hedgehog? In, how is Shadow the Hedgehog in 2022? As a kid, I loved it. You could be evil. You had guns. You rode bikes. You fought Sonic. Then in college, I, the game came up and everyone said it sucked. I went home and looked at the reviews and turns out my life was a lie. Oh, man. It's like it's he is the ultimate <laughs> edgelord. He is like everything that I think of when I think of just worrisome like See, the I, thing I, is, I, I, the age that we are, I don't care about Shadow. I thought he was cringy as hell. To be honest, I dropped right off the Sonic everything across the 2000s. Yeah. I'm only back in now because the movie's out. And um, but funny and funnily enough, when you talk to the younger people in our office, um, the the James Douses, the Josh Browns, they have a huge love for Shadow the Shadow of the Hedgehog. And I think it's because when that game came out, it was the full full on tude of the mid 2000s, yeah. where everyone was twin pistols and slow motion dives and everything else. And I guess if you were watching The Matrix, then maybe you went from that to Shadow, and it just worked. Listen, man, it'd be it'd be hypocritical of us to sit here and say that we don't also have six out of ten games that we champion as oh, being dude, the best ever. It. Like it's literally what we've been doing for this entire podcast. The amount of times <laughs> that we bring up um Psyops, the Mindgate conspiracy, yeah. that's the perfect example of a six. That is out an ten eight, my that friend. Is, that is an eight in our minds. <laughs> like Shadow the Hedgehog is a straight six out of ten game. Mm-hmm. Like it's got mediocre writing the gameplay is wonky as hell the character the uh, just laughable to people outside of the thing and even like more cringy sometimes if you're a deep fan and you're just Mm -hmm. like oh god i gotta put up with this Mm -hmm. but i can understand that being a kid like in my teens playing that i probably would be like yeah yeah that's pretty yeah well the thing is like that's i i I, like i've I've said so much and i'm i swear to everyone listening to me i'm out of the sonic bubble i'm definitely i'm leaving it really i was poisoned i was under for like two and a half weeks (laughs) i've played every single game and um, and yeah. I now I've just run out of stuff to play, but I, I've never played Shadow the Hedgehog, so I don't know if I should find some way to get access to that. I maybe I, be I think that it would be a very good learning experience for you to at least experience it once. So maybe we should do it for like a charity event where you Ooh. play through uh, Shadow the Hedgehog. We could play the just- worst Sonic games: Sonic Shadow the Hedgehog, uh, Sonic 2006. And then oh, Sonic yeah. Fighters or something like something oh, that's absolutely uh, atrocious. Sonic Racing, uh, Sonic yeah. R was pretty bad. 
uh, Rise of Lyric is bad. <coughs> Sonic Boom. Oh, the Sonic Boom but, game. Yeah. I mean, we've just populated five already, pretty much. Like, there's that one where he became a knight of Arthurian legend. Sonic in the Black Knight. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that was uh, pretty bad. I think, look, I think, funny enough, I was reading an article the other day that had mentioned that, and I was like, I didn't even know that game existed, but it was on the yeah. Wii. And I was like, Sonic in, like, fantasy garb with, like, a like a gauntlet and a big blade. I was like, that's kind of cool in my twisted, toxic state. But that but, was just when he was just, like, he was every man. He was just yes. trying everything possible. Like, the Sonic for Hire um, animated <laughs> TV show became a real reality for him as he just basically genre show? switched all the thing. It was um uh, for it was a YouTube uh, animated. Oh, I know show. what you mean. If they, you know if the one they, I'm talking yeah, yeah, yeah. If they did something that acknowledged just how many costumes he's had or how many different yeah. roles he's had, and um, that's brilliant. Because yeah, the Sonic Boom show is entirely self-aware as well, especially when it comes to the fandom and everything. And um, so yeah, what that was the what that was the final Sonic question. Okay. There are no okay. more. Sonic questions. I'm okay. healthy now. Just because two Sonic mugs just arrived at my door <laughs> and I've got a Knuckles t-shirt, don't you let me be telling you that there's more of this to come. Um, point being, this has been the Untitled Part of Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tailford, joined by Jules Girl. Thank you very much for having me. Humongous thank you for all of you to all of you for sending in all your questions. I'm over at blah, blah, blah. I'm over on Twitter at slash LP89. Mr. Jules, what are you? I am over on Twitter at RetroJ, but the O is a zero and we will be putting out our questions next Thursday. So stay tuned on either account and you can submit your questions. We will try and answer at least, as I've said before, between two and three of them. (laughs) More than two. We can guarantee more than two. Beautifully done. Thank you all very much once again and we'll catch you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.